month of May ended in a flood. A flood of good things, but it made our schedules a little crazy. Over the last couple of weeks, we hosted the dedication of our new permanent stage on the Rise Fest grounds, and it was awesome. Mike Donahue from 10th Avenue North joined us and 90 guests as we dedicated the Harvest stage. And let me tell you, it felt so good to finally host something on the stage. Two days after that, our son Jager had his graduation party with even more guests. I still can't believe my wife let me do two events like that back to back, but uh, we survived. She's still talking to me and Jager had an awesome graduation party. The next day was his actual graduation. And then of course my wife and the kids ended their school year, which is always a blessing. Lots of action has been happening on the Rise Fest grounds. And this past weekend, our nephew and his wife were able to renew their vows with many guests as last year when they actually got married. They only had like 23 people there. So it was a fun weekend this weekend as well. And now Rise Fest is only 10 days away. It's been a whirlwind of good things. And one of those good things was my time with Shane Pruitt. I really enjoyed our conversation and talking about teenagers as we both have them. There's a lot of good nuggets in this episode, and I hope you are blessed. And as always, I hope you find a little more joy in your journey. Welcome to Enjoying the Journey. We are extremely excited today. We've got Shane Pruitt with us. And Shane, for those that that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of, of a background, who you are, what you're about, and just, yeah, what you're doing these days? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited about that. And I'm a little intimidated because you have like a cool like podcast voice. Mine is not near <laughs> as cool as you. I mean, you got like a for real, for real, like radio, like commercial voice. I love that. All right. Well, thank um, you. I'm glad you said voice because if you would have said uh, face for podcasts or radio, I would have been like, well, this Never. is the shortest podcast ever. <laughs> You're like, oh, we're done. Let's pray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, hey, what a joy to be on. Yeah. My name's Shane Pruitt. I serve as the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board, which is basically the national entity for the Southern Baptist Convention. So I oversee our next gen team and efforts. And so, you know, we work with 48,000 churches across the nation and then a lot of state conventions, local associations, ministries, and big picture 30,000 foot view. I feel like I have the best job in the world is, is uh, I get to personally be about reaching young adults, college students, high school students, junior high students with the gospel um, and mobilize them to go share uh, their faith uh, with their generation, but I also get to partner with a lot of leaders, a lot of churches, a lot of ministries to help them do the same thing. Um, and so for us, next gen is really uh, Gen Z, um, which currently, you know, post-grad, uh, college, high school, junior high, uh, and that's the area we're focusing on uh, right now. And so, uh, man, I love it. I love it. That's awesome. We were talking off air before we got going here that, you know, I, I told you I love teenagers and Till they started living in my house and, like, oh, goodness. <laughs> and, and then we were talking about how we've been in our own work both of us have been reaching teenagers but until they start living with you it's like do i know anything about oh teenagers? man I <laughs> that's right i was like man i had all these sermons for teenagers and reaching teenagers until i had one myself i was like i have no clue what i'm talking about yeah. 
<laughs> and they remind me that I have no clue what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Hey, but it's kind of fun having teenagers now because I always say they're like a constant test group, meaning yeah. like, hey, I'll be like, hey, I'll run this illustration or this joke by them or this thought. And they're like, yeah, that's good. That'll really resonate with our generation. Or they'll be like, no, nah, dad, don't do that. You know? Right. And so it's like, hey, it's like a constant little test group in the house, you know? That yeah. is awesome. And, and there is hope because our son just turned 18. He's, he graduated. Like it's a signed diploma. We're pretty excited yeah. about this. He's a smart <laughs> kid, but we're pretty excited. And what's beautiful about it is I'll hear other people from around that he's been in contact with or has a relationship with. And some of those nuggets you try to instill in them, you hear are coming out and it's like, yay, there is yeah, hope. I love it. There is, I love it. Yes. Maybe it'll work on my daughter someday. The, the yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely love it. So I understand you have a huge passion for young people. You've been working with, with Gen Z. What insights or wisdom? So if somebody's listening right now, maybe they have a passion for youth. Maybe they are a youth sponsor in the church. Maybe it is a youth pastor. What would you what would you say to them right now as we try to reach a generation that is the most digital generation mm -hmm. ever with the gospel? And, and where are things at? What, what does it look like in, in this world? Yeah, yeah, I would say, you know, um, I just thought of this kind of on the spot when you said digital. That's true, because uh, it's a generation that's digital, um, but it's also depressed and um and then they feel uh dejected um meaning like yeah burned out by agendas they're i always say they're agenda weary but truth hungry um you know um weary of agendas dejected meaning um they realize at a, probably a much earlier age than we did even that the world is broken they realize uh there's something wrong with them because of digital um they've seen a lot of ugly things at a very early age um, and so many are addicted. Um, and so, yeah, they're digital, you know, um, can be depressed and dejected. However, that's a great opportunity for the gospel. That's a great opportunity for the church to be the church. And so, you know, I don't want to just dive into a bunch of statistics, but just right. statistically speaking, here's what we know about Generation Z is a big generation, uh, according to Business Insider, roughly 72 million um, in the United States. Uh, and then according to Barna research, uh, less than 20% of that generation says church is important to them. So uh, we can make some assumptions about that, that if they're right. not going to church or they don't care about church, they probably don't have a thriving relationship with Jesus. Right. right. Um, and so if you invert that and you go, okay, 72 million, roughly 80 or roughly 80% of that 72 million are not connected to the local church at all. Then generation Z is roughly about 57.6 million that we can assume doesn't have a thriving relationship with Jesus or a saving relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior. So when you think of 57 million, if they created their own state, they'd be the largest state in the United States by over 19 million with California being second. So right. you could almost call Generation Z an unreached people group. So therefore, we need missionaries to reach this unreached people group. Now, here's where it's really exciting uh, for the church is because it's a vast mission field. It's a big open harvest. And um, it's a it's a harvest in a mission field that really cultural Christianity doesn't exist on a large scale. Um, really, Generation Z is almost becoming a post-Christian generation as a product of ever-changing post-Christian culture. And right. so with Generation Z is 
for the most part, especially the older ones, they either know they're in the faith or they know they're out. You know what I mean? There's no kind of in the middle. They're all the way in or they're all the way out. Um, and But when they go in, they go all the way in. So I'm really excited, um, you know, and then when you think of statistically speaking, these statistics have been true for a long time. It, it, I think it's even more urgent now with how big this mission field is for Generation Z is um, according to statistics, 77% of all Christians in the United States surrender to Jesus before the age of 18. I mean, just stop and let that set in for a little bit. 77% of all Christians surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior before the age of 18. So now is the time. And so if you got this unreached people group, and we must reach them by the time they're 18. Now, listen, I know God's sovereign. He can save whom he wants, whenever he wants. I got saved at 21. You know, uh, my parents got saved in their 30s. Um, and, And so, like, I know that God reaches people later in life, but statistically speaking, practical speaking, the older someone gets, the less likely they are to come to know Jesus. And so really now is the time. And so I just want to say, if there's pastors listening, youth pastors listening, volunteer youth workers listening, uh, children's pastors, college pastors, BCM yeah. directors, you know, ministries that are reaching the next generation. I just want to encourage you with this is that we got to stop looking at our next gen ministries as primarily fellowship primarily entertainment. Uh, we got to stop looking at them as primarily distractors so that mom and dad can go to big church without their kids. That's what we used to right. call it. Big church, right? right. Yeah. Um, no, we got to stop looking at those ministries like that. We need to start looking at those ministries as the front lines of our evangelical efforts. So that means we need next gen leaders to start, you know, seeing themselves um, as evangelists, missionaries, and disciple makers, because it's an unreached people group that desperately needs the gospel. And statistically speaking, we got to reach them right now, or we may not reach them at all. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And, and like you said, we both have teenagers living in our homes mm-hmm. and you can, you know, when, you, when you're talking to teenagers, when you're going out and doing churches, youth camps, all of that stuff, it's one thing to look at them, give them a message, and get them fired up for a week or a weekend or an evening, mm-hmm. but you're not living with them. You, you, you're not there on their bad days. You're not there when, when that social media has taken over their lives and they're in the FOMO or they're into the mm-hmm. comparison group and they're starting to listen to all the lies in, in their ears. And then you're in the middle of it and you're like, Lord, just, just help. These are, these are mm-hmm. my personal kids that I, I've been instilling the gospel in over and over and over. And why does it feel like at times they want to uh, embrace it, but then other times they want to let it bounce off of, off of them? And so you're right. I recently just had a conversation with somebody and they were talking about going to war. And when you bring up that 77% enter into a relationship, a saving relationship with Jesus by the time they're 18, there's war happening. Major, yep. major, major, major war. Yep. And why would we wait? You got to go after what's vulnerable first. And they were saying this was a particular youth volunteer group that wanted to really get after their church and say, wait a second, we're missing the boat here. We're missing one of the most vulnerable people groups that don't have the gospel right now. We need to get after it and we need to wage war. And I was like, Ooh, that's good. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, if you think about, I mean, Satan is real, right? I mean, right. we got a real enemy that's out to kill, steal, and destroy. And so uh, it's not by accident. Um, and you really see it today that there's certain cultural ident- uh, agendas. There's yeah. certain um, uh, things that are really being pushed 
that we know is anti-Bible. Um, and so what is the big agenda? Uh, how do we get this teaching into our schools? Because if you think about it, that's a strategy by Satan. We must teach this to kids when they're young because that's when their thought processes are being formed. That's when their worldview is being formed. Um, and so the enemy is going, how do we get this teaching into our schools? And we go, no, we got to permeate it with the gospel um, because if the church is silent on things and culture is screaming, then that's all a generation hears is one worldview. Um, and so Satan is very strategic to get this kind of stuff um, that is anti-gospel in front of our kids at an early age. That's why the church must be even more persistent to get truth in front of a generation at an early age. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you see things in see things across the country in in schools with Gen Z? Do you see the pressures? What what do you technically what are you seeing in the school? Yeah, yeah. A lot of pressure for sure. I think um, you know. I think Gen Z knows the cost probably even more than us adults of following Jesus, because especially um, in a lot of settings, um, if, if you're a college student in a university, if you're a high school student, junior high student in public schools, um, and you're truly following Jesus, you're truly living out your faith, uh, you're truly believing the Bible and obeying the scriptures, um, it's probably going to cost you something and you're probably going to get ridiculed. Um, it's it's uh, a truly counterculture for Gen Z. That's what I'm saying. When Gen Z goes all in, they go all in because they're right. very aware it's going to cost them something. Um, and so I can give you an example of uh, of a young man um, that I know uh, his family and, um, you know, his sophomore year of high school, he was really confused, really struggling. And uh, in his sophomore year of high school, he came out publicly in a school that he was that he was homosexual, that he was coming out of the closet. And immediately he was celebrated. Uh, immediately his popularity went up. Uh, the girls wanted to hang out with him. Teachers were celebrating him. Uh, his family said, hey, no, 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 we're going to pray. And the next year, um, uh, his family oversees a, a camp. Um, and so they were like, you're going to work at our camp. You're going to be there. You're going to be surrounded. And so a whole summer of being a, you know, around positive right. influences, being around the word, being around music, you know, uh, worship music, being around Bible teaching uh, is he really came home. It's like the prodigal son coming home. He repented of that, began to walk with Jesus. Well, he goes back to his same school um, and says, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I was really confused. Um, I'm not gay. And man, the, the persecution that he got just from. Um, you know, uh, being outcasted, alone, isolated, the words that were said. And here's the thing. It wasn't just from students. It was also from some of the adults in the school, too, you know. Um, and so um, I think Gen Z, they're really understanding the cost of following Jesus and culture even more than us adults sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And it's crazy. Uh, the pressures of school and what can yeah. happen in those in those public settings. And, and when you do come out as a Christian and it's, it's not super cool. Yeah. And the ridicule, yeah. like you said, it's not just from, from teenagers, but it's also from, from adults. Yeah. Have yeah. you, and that's why I love, uh, you know, and that's why I love principals, superintendents, faculties, teachers, 
that feel called to live like missionaries and go, Hey, we want to be in the public schools and we're going to, to be a positive example. We're going to be salt and light. So I'm so thankful uh, for teachers and faculty and principals and superintendents that feel called to live like missionaries in our education system. Our kids are in public school and they want to be, they're like, we want to live for Christ. We want to be salt and light, you know, and we want to be a light in the darkness. And there's so many great teachers at our kids' public schools. And they're like, we feel called to live on mission in these public schools. So praise the Lord for that. I'm so thankful for teachers and leaders that have that mindset. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've seen it in our area as well. When, mm-hmm. when people live that way, the difference that it can make in, in schools and settings, et cetera, et cetera. And we're just so grateful for, for that as well, for uh, teachers and facility or faculty, I mean, that, that live that out and live that call. And those that, that aren't afraid of the gospel and are yep. willing to host things, seeing FCA groups grow, uh, things like that is, is very, yeah, very absolutely. Now I understand you have a book. It's called the <laughs> nine common lies Christians believe and why God's truth is infinitely better. <laughs> I don't know if we've got time to go through all nine, but I would love <laughs> to hear some of these. And, and if we make it through all nine, fantastic. But yes, can you let us in, dive us in a little bit into this book? It is. Yeah. Nine Common Lies Christians Believe. It's an orange book with a jackalope on it. So I don't know that there's any <laughs> other books in the world that are orange with a jackalope on it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, Nine Common Lies Christians Believe. Uh, we were able to partner with uh, the great publisher, Waterbrook Multnomah, which is the Christian division of Penguin Random House. And uh, man, it's available everywhere books are sold. And God's been so good with this. We can't believe uh, just the response and um, to this book. But uh, big picture is this, that there are some uh, one-liners, uh, some cultural cliches that we, as the church, for lack of a better term, have adopted into our faith, baptized them, made them a mm-hmm. part of our vernacular that aren't biblically true. You know, uh, one-liners and cliches that we've all heard, like, uh, God won't give you more than you can handle. You know, you say, <laughs> oh, how did 2020 work out for you? You know, right. uh, yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, you talk about things that are even uh, kind of cultural cliches that are even being pushed on a generation growing up of, you know, like, think about this, you know, uh, follow your heart. That's being told to a whole generation, you know, believe in yourself. Mm. Um, you know, uh, if a loved one dies, God gains another angel, you know, and what if these are more than sentiments, you know, what if these are actually lies that will hold you back in your faith? Um, because if you think about it, we often share these things as well-meaning people as sentiments where people who are struggling, right? You won't say God won't give you more than you can handle to someone who's having the best day of their life. Usually you share it with someone who's struggling, but here's what we know. What's going to get people through the dark nights of the soul is God's infinite truth. His word is always going to be much more effective than some cliche that's not even biblically true. So each chapter takes one of those types of cultural cliches. And then what does the Bible actually have to teach about that in a better truth to move forward with? Um, And so it's been a super fun project. It's been really cool. Tons of churches have used it as a sermon series, um, small group study, a lot of student ministries, college ministries have used it as well. And we're just truly overwhelmed 
by the response um, because uh, you know I I'm a I'm a self-professed moron, um, you know. <laughs> so, like so, God truly gets the glory in this. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the country, so me and my friends we used to time each other how long we could hold on to an electric fence without letting go. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I don't have a lot of brain cells left. So God truly gets the glory. The out the response to this has been huge. To so to God be the glory. Um, but we believe it's extremely relevant. And it seems like uh, it's one of those books uh, that we released in 2019, but it just seems like 2020, 2021, as we go on, just makes it even more and more relevant because these are all kind of basically a lot of those cliches, if you think about it, are really self-help. Um, yes. And we don't need self-help. Uh, we need only God can solve a God-sized problem. I, I tell people this is that the reason self-help doesn't work is often the one we need help from the most is self. So self is the problem. So self can't be the solution, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. true. So true. Yeah. What, what, what do you think of this one? Would this fit into your book? Uh, you can do, you can achieve whatever you set your mind to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Try, yeah. Or, or you yeah, can right. do whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I was an athlete and uh, and uh, I could I could dunk when I was younger. But now okay. that I'm older and, you know, I'm a dad of six and we own a van and I get down in my back, no matter how much I believe and achieve and name and claim it or whatever, I can't dunk. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so no matter how much I'm not going to be able to dunk again. So, uh, you know, I think there obviously is power in words. I think there is power in attitudes mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. all that. Um, but yeah, I think just, you know, the mindset, I mean, I mean, let's just take, here's a great example of like, uh, Philippians 413 has right. to be one of the most misquoted verses on yeah. scripture, right? Yeah. Out of context. Yeah. So I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I always joke is like, that verse has nothing to do with dunking a basketball, right. hitting a home run, uh, you know, um, you know, knocking somebody out in a boxing match. That has everything. It's beautiful in context where Paul is going, no matter what I go through in life, uh, mm -hmm. you know, my power comes from Christ. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Believe it and achieve it, you know, or, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, uh, I always joke, I didn't put this in there, but I remember my grandma used to say cleanliness is next to godliness. Yes. Um, and, so, yeah. and it was mainly used to clean my room. You know what yep. I mean? And so, <laughs> so I guess that'd be another one or God helps those who helps themselves, you know? Oh so, yeah. That's the, the I mean, <laughs> it's just, but what I, the, the one where name it and claim it or whatever has just yeah. driven me bonkers because mm -hmm. we instill it going back to gen z we instill oh, it in sure. we'd instill yep. instill 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 and then all of a sudden they get out and they're like you lied to me oh for sure you you for lied sure. to me I, I can't achieve just about anything i can achieve certain things and i'm gifted in a certain yeah. way but you told me for 13 years while i was going to school or whatever else that i could do anything and so sometimes i wonder if there's this paradox parallel where we tell them you can do anything they get out and they're like you lied to me but you're talking to me about the gospel all the time well why is that mm. true but that one's a lie hey that'll preach yeah yeah and I, that's so true I, and i think some of the valuable lessons that we learn when we're younger is um how to lose you know what i mean right. and that yeah like uh, i mean and so you know the mindset of like hey we're not going to keep score everybody gets a trophy oh. uh you know yeah oh. we're going to go bowling and we don't want anybody to bowl a gutter ball so we're going to we're going to lift oh. up the bumper bowling you know <laughs> because if you if you bowl a gutter ball you may end up in the gutters of life and you're like right <laughs> so, like so when people go out and live a world yes. that's very difficult and they're like man like where, where's the bumper bowling at? You know, right. where's my trophy at? And it's a, uh, it's a little sobering when the world's not that way, you know?
Yeah. I was a harsh parent. I would not let my <laughs> kids have uh, participatory trophies. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I joke with adults today. You know, it's like we give a generation we're like, well, they're the participation trophy generation. I was all like, well, who gave them to them? Exactly. You know, like, like if you give a four year old a trophy, they're going to take it, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You yeah. did good, Johnny. Why? Yeah. Well, you showed up. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a self, you know, I'm confessing my sin. I'm one of those dads are like, you know, I don't mind if, you know, especially if they're little, like three, four, five to sure. get a trophy or whatever, but it's still my job to keep the score. You know, it's not like our five-year-old plays soccer. They don't keep score, but daddy does, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, I was like, Hey bud, he's like, daddy, we won. It's like, no, y'all lost three to zero. You know? yeah. so I feel it's my job to prepare them how to win well, but also yeah. how to lose well, you know? Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because there is, there is a toughness. And I don't want to say it's a self-toughness, but yeah, there comes right. a point where you have to learn to wrestle with disappointment, loss, and not always being the winner, not yeah. always being up there. And the best way that I can describe that personally is, you know, I bring this up on podcasts often, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. You know how often I have to wrestle through that or deal mm-hmm. with that? And, and you can't always put bumpers on the bowling lane to make it better. Yep. You, yep. you can't always say, here, Rob, here's a, here's a trophy. Thanks for showing up. Because mm-hmm. now you've got to learn to wrestle through that. And you've got to learn yeah. to understand that there's a sovereign God. I love it. But that yeah. does not mean you get everything you want. Yeah, that's right. And if we don't teach Generation Z about that part of the gospel, they can become very disappointed, very disheartened in who God really is. Yes, he's sovereign, but it doesn't always mean every healing takes place. Yeah, such a good word. I agree with that completely. And um, and yeah, you know, and, and to realize that um, I think one of the great really probably one of the ways that God could show his wrath towards us. If he always said yes to all of our requests, you oh, know what I mean? Good. That is good. <laughs> so, that is so you know, true. So yeah. True. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, there's the great theologian Garth Brooks that once saying God, <laughs> I thank God for an- unanswered prayers. There you, go. Well, you know, like theologically, we know that's bad. Like God right. answers all prayers, but just sometimes right. he says no or wait. Exactly. And man, I'm so glad that he does, you know? Yeah, because we're raising kids, you and I, yeah. uh, with your family, my family, and you have to say no from time to time yeah. because you see the bigger picture. Well, God yeah. sees a ginormous picture that we don't understand, yeah. even as adults or young people. And we're like, God, why do you say no? Well, he sees something we we don't see, just like we do for our children from time yeah. to time. Now, do they yeah, like no when doubt. we say no? No, not so much. <laughs> At least mine. Sure. Yeah. Mine don't. But yeah, you, you bring up... Uh, Kids, what, what, what's, you mentioned uh, six kids? Yeah, yeah. 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 What so does we that have, look like? <laughs> yeah, so we have six kiddos, five in the house. Let me explain why I say five in the house. So we have a 14-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old daughter. They're both biological daughters, which means they just carry our, my wife and I's DNA. Uh, and then we have an eight-year-old son adopted from Uganda, a five-year-old son uh, adopted from Texas, and a three-year-old daughter adopted from Texas. Very much our kids just don't have our DNA, but sure. all equally the same. And then um, the reason I say we got five in the house, but we have six is uh, we're currently uh, going through the process of adopting a little boy from Liberia. 
uh, who's seven and we've been matched with him um, for uh, over a year and we FaceTime with him every other week. And uh, normally he would be home by now, but of course COVID had slowed that sure. all down in 2020, but the process is moving. So we're hoping um, maybe in the fall, we'll be able to go and, and get him, bring him home. He's ready. We're ready. Um, and so we very much see him as our son. Uh, he's just not in our house yet. Um, and so, yeah, six kids, 14 and under, that is a prayer re- or 15 and under that is a prayer request, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. We definitely yeah. add that. And then I yeah. understand as well that one of your kids has unique circumstances, challenges, yeah, whatever, yeah, sure. whatever word that that would, would you, you would use in that context. I, what yeah. has that, that been like? I know we talked a little bit before we started recording. Yeah. Yeah, thank you um, for asking that. And that's why uh, your testimony is such an encouragement uh, to me and my wife. And that's why I'm so honored to be on today. So yeah, we have an eight-year-old son um, adopted from Uganda. In fact, he is really the inspiration of our of the book Nine Commonalized Christians Believe because cool. in the journey with him, those are things we heard time and time again of like, well, you know what the Bible says? God won't give you more you can handle. You're like the Bible doesn't <laughs> say that or teach that. I think it's the opposite that God gives us more than we can handle, so we'll trust Him. You know, oh, and God will never give. Amen. Yeah, and and that God will never give us more than He can handle through us, right? You know, so it's that, so, um, and then so it's so really it's like those kind of cliches or if you know well-meaning people you know if god calls him home he'll gain another angel no 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 the bible doesn't teach that either and so really that's really from our journey with him is really where the idea of the book came from but yeah our son titus um he's been with us since he was six months old um he has cerebral palsy epilepsy uh, he has a rare seizure disorder called lennox gastro syndrome which means he suffers from multiple forms of seizure um so he has seizures every day of his life um, uh, in the, in the time he's been with us, uh, he's had 13 surgeries, been in and out of the hospital, constant therapy, doctor visits. Um, and, but I tell you what, like besides the Holy spirit himself, Titus has been the greatest, uh, tool of sanctification in my life and my wife's life. Uh, we love him. He's our hero. He's the greatest teacher in my life. Um, it's, it's interesting, you know, like, uh, you asked before we start recording that we know all the severity of the unique needs that he has. And we knew he has some unique needs, but we did not know the severity. And I'm so thankful that God did not consult with us on that. Yeah. Um, because, um, if just being honest, uh, we're, we're honest and very transparent people. Um, if people ask us sometimes, Hey, if you knew today, eight years later, what you know about Titus and all his struggles. And I mean, there's, I mean, that's a, that's a very special form of suffering watching your child suffer, you know? Um, and, and so people go, Hey, if you knew all those things, would you have still said yes when you're first approached about adopting him? And I think in our superficiality, we want to reveal the S on our chest and go, yes, cause we're super Christians. We got a Jesus fish on our van, you know, but, but, and, I, but if we were to be honest, um, and I, I'm very careful how to say this, the people who we were, let me say that again, the people who we were eight years ago would have probably said, no, that's too much. We can't handle that. We're not equipped for that. Uh, we're in ministry. We're too busy. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Right. Um, and then once again, once again, that's why a sovereign on purpose, holy God did not consult with us mm-hmm. um, because he knows he has a plan and a will and a purpose that's bigger than ours, you know? Um, and so, gosh, Titus has been such an amazing, amazing 
um, a part of our life, part of our family. Um, he's, he's my hero. And um, these last eight years, just being honest, these last eight years journeying with him through that suffering has been by far the hardest eight years of our life, but also by far the best eight years of our life because the Lord has used in, in my life, I'll just speak for myself, the Lord has used Titus um, to teach me how to be a better follower of Jesus, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, uh, a better servant, a better leader, a better follower, um, all the way around. And uh, my wife says it like this. I love it. She says, um, you know, over these last eight years, we pray for God to heal Titus because we believe in a God that can heal that just yeah. with the thought Titus could get up and run and play and all those things. Um, cur currently, Titus uh, is um, in a wheelchair. Um, he doesn't speak. Uh, he communicates in other ways, but not verbally like you and I, um, uh, he's fed through a G tube. And, um, and so, uh, he'll be with us from now on, we, unless God does some supernatural, we'll never be empty nesters. Um, and we're okay with that. Um, but we just say this every day we pray for God to heal Titus because we know God can do that. Um, and, but ironically, once again, here's the great sovereignty of God is ironically over these last eight years, as we've been praying for God to heal Titus, God has used Titus to heal us. Yeah. You know, it's crazy how that works. It's yeah. so crazy how that works. People throw that on me once, once in a while too, you know, are you praying for healing? Well, yeah, of course I'm praying for you. Yeah, I, right. I, would I would love to see it. But then, uh, you know, my wife may say, you know, God has healed you on the inside that's right you're not as yeah. angry, you're not as angry you're not pushing him away like you were as a teenager that type of stuff but the manifestation of physical healing and I always tell my kids and my wife this because I do like to run as hard as I can not physically I haven't ran in, yeah you know yeah. 20 years or whatever sure. I said you better pray to God that he doesn't heal me because if you can't keep up with me now look out <laughs> that's right that's right that's right and I'm sure you've heard you know it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier you know just probably some bad theology back doctrine right. but I know you've gotten it without a doubt we've gotten it where people go well you're not praying the right way or is <laughs> yeah. saying, you know or you don't have enough faith I mean yep. we'll get uh you know because what I do is very public and people know me yeah. and, and stuff. And so we'll get messages from total strangers. And once again, we just give it to the Lord. I know it's well-meaning, but um, they'll say things like, well, you know, I heard you say God can heal your son. You need to start praying that God will hear your son, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and I look at that and go, I mean, let's just stop. Let's just slow down. Is Jesus, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his throne, really going, Hey, Shane, I really want to heal your son. I'm just waiting for you to say the right word. You know what I mean? I don't think it works like that. I don't think Jesus is going, I'm just waiting for you to quit saying will and can, you know? And so, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, that's yeah, good. I, mean, I mean, but, but once again, I think the Lord, ultimately this isn't our home anyway. Right. Um, you know, and so sometimes some of the greatest teaching in our life comes through adversity and suffering. And, and uh, I love it like this. My mentor once said, if you go to the mountain range, you look at the, the summit, the peaks of the mountain, nothing ever grows up there. It's just rock. All the trees and the grass and the growth is down in the valleys. And that's yeah. typically we want those mountaintop experiences, but typically we grow the most in the valleys, you know, and it's like, hey, that's good. Man. Yeah. I had a, a wonderful mentor say something very similar. Fruit, fruit, which not all fruit grows, but same concept, doesn't grow on the mountaintops. It grows in the valleys. And it's the, yeah. the same yeah. kind, of, kind of idea. Uh, we thank you so much for your time today. And we always, we always like to ask this because we talk about enjoying the journey. 
And I know you guys are on a journey, not just with Generation Z, but also with your adopted family and your biological family. I mean, you guys are just, wow, I've got three kids. And I'm like, holy cow, how are you doing this? This is, and, and then I don't think people understand unless they are put in a situation to care for somebody 24 seven, what that is like. Yeah. And I understand, I really understand what that looks like and what the pressures can be on a family. And because as you said, Titus is going to need 24 seven care. If, if you're in a wheelchair and communication and feeding and, and all of that stuff and to be able to do it and to do it in a way with it, with a, servant's heart but uh you said this and, and it just meant a, a lot to me you said we'll never be empty nesters you've embraced the idea that titus will always be with you until a is either physically healed or he's taken home or or, or however that is is, is yeah. looked at and to have the attitude of yep he's our mm-hmm. son he will always be yeah. with us i want i want our listeners to understand how servant led and loving that really is because Mm. that is something not everybody a chooses to walk through or b would walk through and so that is a huge compliment to you and your wife because that is a a commitment that that most people don't understand well to god be the glory and thank you so much that means the world coming from you we deeply respect you so thank you so much for saying that and to God be the glory. Um, yeah. You know, we we really feel like who are we um, for God to choose to take this journey? You know, yeah. um, uh, we we look at it as God's grace. Um, it's not easy, but it is God's grace. And uh, to Him be the glory. So thank you for that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And then we like to ask this because it's called enjoying the journey. If you could have anyone with you right now on the journey, who who would it be? Oh man, it, this is an easy one for me. I don't want it to be like, oh, that's a that's a cop out answer. It's like literally, man, my wife is my like ultimate <laughs> hero. I cannot do anything without her. Listen, I listen, I realize, brother, let me tell you, I realize like with every ounce of my being that I'm married way, way, way over my head. You know what I mean? Like, you oh, do I about ever. a picture, of, God, yeah. Yeah, by, yes, a picture of God's grace and mercy, man. And so, man, I uh, you know, I, I say this jokingly, but uh, me and God have a, an understanding that he's going to call me home first because me without her would be a wreck. You know what I mean? Right. And so like, yeah, so, so man, I, my, my boo, I call her my boo. She's my ride or die. I can't, I, I journeyed through this life and we run this race together. And so, man, I don't want to do anything or go anywhere or be a part of anything without her being a part of it. Yeah. Amen. You just scored points for a really long time. If she lived <laughs> that's right. Hey, that's right. Hey, whenever this goes live, I'm going to have to like, Hey babe, listen, to this podcast is yeah. so good. Really make sure you listen all the way to the end. You know? Yeah. All the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Shane, we have appreciated you so much. God is using you. I can hear it. I can sense it. I can feel it. He is using you in a mighty way. And you're right. Gen Z needs to be reached and they need to hear the gospel because if they can understand this stuff at 13, 14, 15, even younger, imagine what culture can look like in the future. Oh, and just their personal journeys, understanding there is a God that loves them and has purpose for their life. And in the dark days, they're not alone. I love it. Just keep I'm so glad you said that, you know, (laughs) and I even use this as an example a lot. 
um, is that, you know, if you think 15 year olds are already creating their own brands on social media, 16 year olds are operating motor vehicles, 17 year olds are in the workforce, 18 year olds are serving in the military, protecting our freedoms, you know, uh, 19 year olds and 20 year olds are leading whole squad, you know, squadrons, you know, of, and, um, and doing very, very important things, you know, yeah. to protect our freedoms. So I say, if they can do that, they can definitely serve the bride of Christ, um, you know, that they're not the future of the church. If they have the Holy spirit, theologically speaking, they're the church right now yes. that the future of the church are lost people who have yet to be reached with the gospel because the moment they get reached with the gospel, they become the church right now too. And, and so I just want to encourage listeners with that. Listen, we don't have to dumb it down for a generation, just disciple a generation up. And if, and I always say this too, especially if they're high school students, listen, if they can understand pre-cal, they can understand some doctrine and theology. They can be trained to how to share their faith. Yeah. Amen. That is awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. And I've got one of those 18 year olds yeah. in less than 60 days for the National Guard. And so, Come on. I love it, man. Praise know, the Lord. Yeah. Servant. Yeah. Servant yeah. I and love that's that. a great reminder for our listeners. Don't dumb it down. Raise them up. Disciple. Yep. Them. What a beautiful yep. thing. They can take care of a lot of things. We need to continue to give them opportunities to do so. Amen. Why not yeah. in the church? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, grateful for you, brother. Hey, always here to serve you and your ministry in any way you need me. And, and we're so, res we deeply respect, uh, you know, respect y'all and so thankful for how the Lord is using y'all to advance the kingdom. So, man, it's awesome. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Thanks for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for tuning in to the Enjoying the Journey podcast brought to you by Rise Ministries. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to follow Rise Ministries on any of our social media channels. Thanks for listening.